Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cool Zone Media. Hi everyone, it's James, and today I've got a two-part episode for you. Initially, I'd planned to have my friends Emmett and Dave talk to me about the shelters that we've all been building in Hakumba. Uh, because the weather's getting worse and worse. But um, we were able to connect with Amos, who is one of the migrants who has spent time in outdoor detention, sadly, and then in indoor detention, as you'll hear. And I really wanted to sort of refocus this episode on sharing Amos's story, because I think, as I've said countless times, right, that if we don't center migrants in our reporting about migration, then we're doing it wrong. And so you will hear introductions uh, from Dave, and you will hear introductions from Emmett, and you'll hear a little bit from them next episode about how we're building the yurts. But we'll we'll bring you that episode another time because I wanted this episode to be mostly about Amos's migration journey. Hello, everybody. It's me, James. Uh, I am hosting It Could Happen Here Today again. And uh, I'm joined by my friends Amos and Emmett uh, and potentially later our friend David. Um, we're going to talk today again about the situation in Hidakumba. Amos is, is one of the people who was detained in the outdoor detention sites and is going to explain some of his experience. And then Emmett is someone who has been working with a group of people, including myself, to build shelters for migrants, to build slightly more permanent, slightly more improved shelters. Um, unfortunately, Border Patrol has taken upon themselves to instruct migrants to destroy those shelters. And so we're going to talk about how we built them, what we learn when we're building them, and unfortunately, the fact that uh, they have been destroyed. Um, so I'm going to ask my three guests to introduce themselves. Uh, David is here now. So we'll start with uh, you, Amos, and then uh, Emmett, and then David. Just uh, tell us who you are and anything you think is relevant about yourselves, I guess. Uh, thank you for, for the invite. I appreciate the opportunity to... Uh to add whatever I can to this very, very important subject. Uh, I happen to be, um, I call myself an accidental uh, illegal immigrant, if you want to put it that way. Uh, Due to some family circumstances, I found myself 
following a the the the, the new migratory road. I mean road that has uh, taken me through. I lost count ten or twelve countries, um, starting from North Africa. Uh, all the way to uh, the border uh, with uh, with the United States. Uh, so yeah. that's me, and uh, what, you know, I'd like, I mean, I would I would uh, love nothing more but to add to this conversation. Thank you, Amos. Hi, my name is Emmett. Um, I am a volunteer with Borderlands Relief Collective. And then David, would you like to finish up by introducing yourself? Hi, my name is David. I'm a volunteer with Borderlands Relief Collective, as well as Detention Resistance. I do uh, water drops, and I've also been helping out as a volunteer in the uh, Border Patrol open-air detention sites, doing uh, work as a medic and um, helping out building these shelters. Great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. So I think everyone will be interested in hearing Amos's story. So as far as you're comfortable sharing, Amos, and there's no need to share anything that you're not comfortable with or don't want to share, um, uh, can you tell us about your journey from North Africa to the United States? And I think we'd be particularly interested in like how people are finding out about these, obviously these big gaps in the wall that, that are in Hakumba and how people are ending up there from all over the world now. Right. Well, buckle up. It's a, it's a, it's a long journey, uh, James. It's a long one. Uh, so for me personally, uh, it, it started with... Uh, and a, 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 um, a sort of a an accidental separation with uh, from my family, my wife and kids, for uh, for reasons, uh, unfortunate reasons, had to go to go back to the United States, and I was not I was denied the visa to join them. Uh, they went for uh, initially for um, to mourn the lo the loss of uh, a uh, brother-in-law. I mean a brother-in-law. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I was not able to uh, get there by obtaining a visa to do so. So I spent six, seven months arguing with the embassy, was not given uh, any legal reasoning for why my visa was denied. I've lived in the United States for over 16 years. I've had uh, a clean criminal record with one uh, arrest and release, and it was part of a protests uh, really that, that happened in Los Angeles and we were released right away. And basically, uh, I left uh, in 2015 with, uh, I'd like to think, with clean hands, no, no issues. And then going back to Tunisia, where I, where I, uh, where I was with, uh, with my new family. Anyhow, so, so basically, I was denied visa. Uh, I, I really wanted to do, I've never done anything illegal in my life. I wanted to do the, the legal route, the following what's, what's been always told, like, you know, follow the legal route, don't, don't come illegally. So, so that was not even a, a question in my mind. You know, I, you know, the wife is American, the kids are American. I mean, I just, it shouldn't be an issue. But uh, I really was confronted with, I mean, I, I can safely say by, by now it's biased. It's, uh, it's, it's got to be some racism just by, by, by deduction, really. I, because when you run out of reasoning, uh, you have to make, start making these sad and, you know, sad conclusions. So, yeah, so basically, you know, again, that, that, was, uh, that took me on a long and painful depression 
an anxiety and a cocktail of mental health issues that I'm still actually dealing with right now. And yeah. it took my kids, my two kids, my beautiful kids through therapy and they're still going through therapy. My wife is going through therapy. I'm going through therapy. And it, it took, it, it blew apart this family. And we're still trying to figure out why so much, you know, nothing can define it but hate, really. There's no other way of putting it. So, um, and again, I just, uh, the discussion with my, with my friends in America has been very difficult because they have no understanding or concept of what, a, you know, the diplomatic core is doing and what is the, these embassies are doing because there is no, there is no access to them by Americans. It's just usually foreigners who do. And that really creates like this black hole of tax money going to these um, embassies. And then what they're doing is just, just with a stroke of a pen, yes or no, no explanation. You can't sue. You can't appeal. You can't do. It's absolute power. And then you know, I'm 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 mentioning this the the, the embassies because through my journey, through this long and painful journey, I've met time and time again other fellow immigrants who, again, tried to go through the legal route, were denied with no reason. With no like no yeah. written reason, no no valid reason. So again, it, it, it you know this this discussion on and on on and off again, and, and you know among American citizens as to why people are showing up in the border. Well, I mean, at least in part, what I see is no accountability whatsoever to the embassies. Like time and time again, you have these embassies denying people who are trying to do it the right way, trying mm -hmm. to do it. They either have family or work or whatever, and they're denied time and time again. And then you have, at you know, in the hundreds of thousands going through that process. And of course, they try, they try, and then eventually they have no choice. So I'm not saying this is the only explanation, but it's a big part of it. I've, I've yeah. spoken from for people who are crossing and who are on the way from anywhere from Brazil to Colombia to Ecuador to Panama to Nicaragua to. Um, uh, uh, Guatemala to uh, Belize and and Mexico, all all across. I've I've got, I've come across so many people, and they you know at least I mean my little humble math. I would say fifty to sixty percent have tried through embassies, but unfortunately you know that you know that they just turned down. Yeah. So uh, this is an issue that is not talked about. This is an issue they really get get away with scot free. I mean they really don't. There's zero kind of. I mean they are gods. <laughs> I mean, the ambassador have zero accountability. No, I mean, he, he is absolutely, he has all the power and no accountability. I mean, rarely you see ambassador being recalled by Congress. Rarely you see an ambassador being questioned, hey, why are these uh, visa demands being de 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 declined? Why, what are you doing about it? All that stuff. Anyhow, so, so this is, this is, some of the stuff I want to add to the conversation because nobody has ever mentioned this. Nobody talks about this. Yeah. So, it's, uh, uh, yeah. It's very important. I think your experience is it's far from unique, as you've said, right? I have seen hundreds of people carrying visa rejection letters come across the southern border. They've shown them to me, right? They are people who have been victims of some of the worst things that can happen to human yeah. beings, and they've survived yeah. them, and, and we've still refuse to give these people a safe place so they've had to take their journey in a more dangerous way. Psst. 
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I didn't see a single brown person at the the embassy. It's all white. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm. I, I hope you guys don't feel like I'm being like too. I'm just being honest because I see it, and I'm, I'm, I'm up to date of, on on what people are talking about and all the discussions, and I see it like you know, uh, almost of a level of a, of a, a right wing supremacy style, like you know. I mean, it's yeah. just, it just you feel it, you feel it. It's there. You have to be a quote unquote brown person or a minority person to feel it. I don't expect others to understand it, but we we feel it. And, I, and this is a discussion I've had in detention with a lot of the fellow detainees. There is that sense. There is a sense that, you know, we're being looked down at, not on our merits, but on, you know, a little bit of, you know, assumptions because of where you're from. Assumptions, like you go in and it's already baked. It's already baked. It's already... And this is me. I've, I've had a visa from the U.S. for 16 years. I mean, it should be a slam dunk. You know, so... My, my two kids are American. My wife, my wife is American. We are, until today, are so confused as to why the denials happen. I mean, I've called Congress members, and David was with me today when I was at the Congress member uh, Schiff, Adam Schiff, 
in Burbank, mm -hmm. California. And we, you know, even they don't have, have an answer as to why the denial happened. And then, you yeah. know, uh, I mean, to, to close my personal issue, James, mm -hmm. it's interesting because I was told that perhaps you were uh, illegally in the United States between 2013 and 2015. And then, but they can't say for sure that was the reason. Uh, but at the, in, in detention, when they, when they did all the, the research on me, none of that existed. None of that. There's none of that. They released me because they have nothing against me. Nothing. Yeah. And, this is, and this is the USCIS. This is the immigration service. Not the embassy coming up with some, some of these you know, bogus ideas. You know, so again, it's a mess. And I feel like you know, the, 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 this, the, this, these embassies need to be looked into more because the Border Patrol ends up feeling the blunt of, of, of all this. But where does it start? Where is the source? It's always the question of where is the source? Well, the source is, yes, there's economic issues. There is, there is, there is uh, uh, physical abuse. There's all kind of stuff. But then also there's tax dollars being spent in the billions, in the billions, hundreds of billions on these diplomatic cores. I mean, to be fair, my journey was not, was not as difficult as many, 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 many stories that I've heard. Heartwarming. I mean, really heartbreaking stories. My journey really... Um, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat have a somewhat of a sophisticated life in the sense that, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time. Again, I, we wasted we, most of the time that we wasted was waiting on the embassy because they kept on dragging and dragging their feet six, seven months waiting while my kids are crying on the phone. And, you know, we don't have the income to uh, to be able to able to have them come back to to to, to Tunisia where I was. So, anyhow, um so, yeah, it started by researching, researching, reading a lot of articles, researching. Uh, as far as uh, North Africa, the the route that is being used right now by mostly by a lot of Mauritanians and uh, West Africans is, uh, goes through uh, Turkey, uh, uh, and then from Turkey they're going to Nicaragua because Nicaragua, Managua, the capital of Nicaragua, they have um, allowed for visa on arrival. Before, and then from and then from uh, Managua. Uh, there is literally almost like travel companies doing packaging packages for upwards to six, seven thousand dollars from there to, uh, and then six, seven thousand dollars from Nicaragua. But from, but before Nicaragua, there's at least three, four thousand dollars. So I'm told by, uh, I think, uh, uh, yeah, the four Mauritanians that were detained. I'm told about ten thousand dollars, which comes down to their local currency about 45,000 of their local currency, which is yeah. a lot. I mean, yeah. a lot. So uh, they, so like I said, so they managed to get the flights to Nicaragua. Uh, Managua has visa on arrival for 30 days for North Africans. And then from there, you got literally uh, their journey through, I don't know, coyotes, whatever you want to call them, uh, facilitators, whatever. The, uh, well-established with buses through El Salvador, through Guata Honduras, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and then through Mexico. So that's the route that's been, you know, uh, upwards of six, 7,000 Mauritanians and West Africans, as far as the last articles that I've read, have taken that route. So I, I looked into it. I couldn't afford it, to be honest with you. It's, it's just, uh, you know, I was sending money to my kids and, and, and wife because she had to be on welfare. She just arrived there and she had to get the kids to school and there's a lot of struggle. So I had to kind of uh, try to help with that. 
on the same time, I was waiting on the embassy and we, we, you know, and the wife was calling them to see if, can we expedite? Can we do this? Can we do this? But they were literally rude and, and, you know, treated her like a second class citizen. I don't know why. We still can't figure that out. Uh, anyhow, um, so another route right now, which is a difficult route, is through Brazil because Brazil has, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys know, um, and I think they do that for Americans too. Yeah. So Brazil is has sort of uh, I don't know the word, but the equivalency. That means if you impose a visa on Brazil, Brazilians will uh, uh, impose a visa on you. They do that to Americans too. Yeah. So, so you know where I'm from, they don't have a visa to uh, as far as uh, for Brazilians. So we don't. So a lot of Africans can go to Brazil and from Brazil take the the route uh, all the way. So. David mentioned uh, the Amazon Strait, where they cross the jungle for, mm -hmm. from Colombia to Panama and so on and so forth. That is Darien. I mean, I, I'm yes, the Darien, the famous Darien. Yeah. So that is to me personally. Oof, man, it gives me chills because the, the two or three guys that one of them did it on his own with Google Maps. Man, I don't know Jesus. how the hell he did it. I have no clue how he did it. I am. I was listening and trying to understand them. Oh, it was just uh, heart heartbreaking, you know, the, the the suffering. So, but yeah, through Brazil and then uh, Colombia and then and keep on going that way. That's another route. Uh, for me, uh, again, I booked flights. I, uh, I I didn't go through that trouble, to, to be fair. But I've had some issues with visa. Visas because uh, North Africans don't get a lot of visa access around that, uh, Latin America. We don't have a lot of embassies there. We don't have a lot of uh, trade. We don't have a lot of commerce between our countries. So it's kind of an unknown, uh, an unknown commodity in a sense that you know everything is is, is you know is new. Uh, for me, I was able to get a visa to uh, Colombia, and I'm very grateful for to choose Colombia because it's uh, it's, it's affordable. It's, it's it's been a good experience for myself to get out of, uh, I mean, get closer and on the same time, uh, figure out the lay of the land and understand where, where I'm going. So that was, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And then from there, my goal was to get a visa to Mexico. And a lot of, and most of my American friends get, uh, are still confused as to why I would need a Mexican visa. That's a whole other discussion. And then the Mexican visa has become extremely difficult, almost as difficult as the American visa because of pressure from the United States to stop the flow. So. Uh, we, we, again, we end up making it very difficult for people who want to legitimately do this. Mm -hmm. So finding an appointment for a Mexican uh, embassy, then you find out which embassy of Mexico has appointments available. Some of them don't have ever. Some of them have them two years from now. Some of them have them, you know, uh, for a particular visa, but not the other. Anyhow, so for me, it was Colombia. And then... Um, I, I found an appointment in, in, for, for a Mexican visa in Belize. Uh, but unfortunately, I ended up in, you know, going from Colombia to Panama to uh, Nicaragua to Guatemala and then Belize because Belize has not a lot of uh, flights uh, from Latin America. And then when I got to Guatemala, all of the previous countries allowed me to transit without a problem, but Guatemala decided to put me in a detention uh, for 
almost 40 hours uh, and then wanted to return me back to, to original country because they, yeah. So I'm like, I'm, 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 my plane departs in a few hours. I'm going to Belize. Why are you doing this? Please. I'm not, I don't need the visa to, to Guatemala. I'm not going to Guatemala. Nothing. No discussion. Just they threw me in there, cockroaches, you name it, the whole enchilada. I mean, no food, no water, no nothing. I mean, you know, it's just uh, sad, very sad, very sad, very sad. That yeah, was a terrible. really bad experience. And then so I was sent back to Panama, then from Panama to Colombia, and then Colombia, they were going to send me back to North Africa. So it was going to be a really mess. So I had to use some of my customer service skills that I've uh, <laughs> learned through the years to wiggle myself where I, I last minute was able to, with the help of some friends, buy a ticket to, like, you know, in the midnight hour, really, they were going to send me. So I bought a ticket to Ecuador, where I had a visa for 90 days. So I was able to get out of that mess, stay in Ecuador for a couple of weeks, and then try to get to Belize again. And the next time I was successful in going to Belize through Panama and then uh, Nicaragua, then straight to Belize, avoiding Guatemala. And in Belize, I was there for a couple of weeks. And then uh, I was able to get a visa to Mexico, thank God. And uh, there was a lot of Russians, there was a lot of Turks, there was a lot of, no, no, no Turks, no, Russians and a lot of East Europeans trying to get a visa there too for Mexico. And basically, yeah, from there, it was the journey of taking a bus from Belize to Cancun, Cancun to Monterrey, Monterrey to Cabo. Uh, I found a job, a volunteering job in Puerto Escondido. I'm a yoga practitioner and I found a yoga retreat there to try to help uh, with my mental health and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, so, and they're doing a great job. It's in the middle of the wilderness. They're really, you know, working on nature preservation and, and in beautiful job they're doing there. And then from there, uh, Cabo San Lucas. Cabo San Lucas, I volunteered at a hotel to kind of be able to eat and, and sleep. And then from there, uh, Tijuana, and then at Tijuana, I met someone earlier in, in Cancun, a Colombian, who was, all the time I was in Mexico, I was trying to do the, 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 the app, the yeah. CPV1 app. Yeah, and how was your experience with that? Because horrible, absolutely, absolutely horrible, absolutely horrible, absolutely horrible. I mean, it's just basically useless. It's useless. And I met people who've been there for two months on the app, and it didn't work. Explain to me what didn't work about it. Like, did it log you out? Did it? I wish uh, I can send you screen. I have screenshots that I can send you, so you can understand. Yeah. What I, so, yeah, so it tells too. you. It tells you. It tells you. You're, you're, uh, so you sign up, you put your information, your passport and all that stuff. And then basically what you're doing is you're, you're in the queue and it's, there's like a lottery system where they see how long you've been waiting, how old are you, where are you from? It's like a lottery system that randomly selects people. So, but again, you know, out of a uh, close to a hundred people in my detention cell, you know, room, everybody's saying we all tried and not, none of them you know, got an appointment. I mean, everybody wants an appointment. I mean, who, who's in the right, who's in the right, in his right mind would choose to forego an appointment and go do through all that trouble. So, yeah. and if we do a little bit of math, the, eventually at some point I spoke to the supervisor of the Border Patrol Detention Center uh, and he told me there's 1,800 people at any given point in that place. 
So out of 1,800 people, and if my cell, there was about six cells or something, or yep. more than that, no, much more, much more. Six cells and then four blocks, I think. So anyhow, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if out of, in, in about out of 100, then you have nobody was able to use the, the app. Then what's 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 to tell tell out of the eighteen hundred maybe ninety nine percent I mean all of them really because if yeah, they did they, have appointment yeah if they had appointments they would have been not in there right I mean right. that's that's the key yeah yeah exactly so uh, I mean it's just uh, a flawed system I was telling my wife yesterday that's like a lipstick on a pig because you know you're just trying <laughs> to make it look like it's you're doing something but it's really it's really like there's nothing being done about it. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, anyhow, so... I'm still dazed and confused. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, trying to understand the situation. Uh, so I literally, I was the last one to get in. And literally, I'm sitting there and fr- I'm standing there at the border itself, at the, at the wall. And I'm like, what's going on? Where is the border patrol? Where is the port of entry? Where is this? I'm like confused. 
After finding himself unable to make an appointment through CBP-1, Amos decided to make his way to Hukumba, like thousands of other migrants. And I think it's worth pointing out here that nothing that he has done up to this point is breaking any laws, right? It's not, a, it's not illegal to drive around in Mexico. It's not illegal to approach the border from the south. It, it, all of this stuff is, is the legal way to move around. No, no crimes have been committed. And it, it is, of course, legal to cross the border and present yourself for asylum immediately upon doing so, even to cross between ports of entry. Uh, it, it's at the discretion of the administration or, or the prosecutors to charge for, for that crossing. Uh, but that is a legal means to claim asylum. And so we'll let Amos pick up again here as he takes his first step into the United States. The first thing I see is I'm pretty sure there, there's some Fox News stuff because they were... They were so aggressive, camera and a brand new Jeep. Uh, and they were like, hey, go, 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 shoot, shoot. And then, the, you know, ladies and dudes and everybody was running and they were running after them to shoot them with a, with a, I mean, with a camera. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. And uh, it, it, you can tell there is malicious intent behind what they're doing. It was not like uh, trying to be uh, sort of neutral or anything. They, they were just, yeah. you know, anyhow, so... I'm looking for a border patrol. I'm trying to say, hey, I'm, I'm filing for asylum. Where are you? What's going on? Nothing. There's nobody. So I'm just walking around with the, with the, uh, around the wall. I call my wife. Uh, I call some friends. Uh, thank God I still had signal. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, um, the first border patrolman that I saw, he was pissed off. He said, F you, F you, F you this. Uh, move out of my way. Fine, cool. Uh, I told him whatever I said. If I didn't like, I said I'm sorry, and then I moved on. And he's, nobody's interested even to talk. So, um, and then I moved closer, closer to the crowd. And uh, I don't know if that's when I saw David, but uh, it was about almost, 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 yeah. And even when I saw David initially, but then I kept going to do to have an idea of the whole camp camp. And the whole, like, understand what's the dynamics. I saw some National Guardsmen. I saw some DHS police. And I saw some Border Patrolmen. It's like a whole mix of people. And I think, I think there was uh, Park Rangers, yeah. if I'm not, if I'm not BLM mistaken. BLM Rangers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So BLM Rangers, yeah. So, so it's a whole huge mix of people. Um, and right away, my, my survivor instincts... Kind of, you know, I, I, I saw David and I saw tools and my eyes opened up because, you know, I, I worked in, a, I built my farm from scratch in North Africa and, and I have, my tools are, are, are everything to me. So anyhow, so I'm glad I did see that, that, that familiar sight and I appreciate that. But you, about you, David and Cesar, you guys were terrific. And um, yeah, I mean, nobody spoke English. Nobody spoke English. Nobody. Yeah. And everybody's been... Treated like, I mean, I told one border patrolman, I have cows, I have sheep. I treat them better the way you treat these guys. I really do. I truly do. And they were they didn't like that kind of talk. But anyhow, so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it got really cold. I mean, uh, fairly quickly. And right away, uh, David and Caesar, thank God, had had some tools. And we started, you know, working on getting some tents up and running. and. Uh, I mean, they did most of the work, really. I, mean, I was just there helping. So, uh, and it was, uh, it was, it was, dude, my heart was really pain, pain giving me a lot of pain. 
Because in my mind, I had my, my, my boy and my girl in my mind, and I'm just trying to get to, to them. But I've seen these kids, man. It, that, was, that was horrific, man. That was not right. That was not right. In that cold, it was just not right. And yeah. uh, I'm telling you, it's still in my mind right now. I mean, I'm not going to let you. It's, it's, it's just uh, it's embedded, you know? Yeah, it affects um, all of us. Like I was there last night, and there was a little baby there, and I couldn't sleep coming home. You know, like and I. Think- I mean, you know, jeez, dude. Like you know, the, the thing is this, you know. Okay, again, I told David, uh, it's not a question of left or right. The question is, so I get it. I I, I spoke to a bunch of border patrolmen. I, again, I couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. I basically kept on going after David and Caesar left. I tried to sleep. I couldn't sleep. I called my kids. They sleep at 8.40, 8.30, so I spoke to them, and then they were asleep. And then I got up, and I kept walking around. Some people had a lot of wood. Some people didn't have enough wood. So, And some people didn't want me to take some of their wood. I had to go pick up some wood and try to look, uh, every, you know, make sure everybody's fire is up and running. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, when everybody had the fire and everybody kind of somewhat settled in, I figured, hey, let me talk. I mean, if I'm up, let me talk to these border patrolmen. I spoke to the first one. He was kind of, you know, not, yeah, didn't want to talk, but still said a few things. Yeah. But then another one, originally from San Diego, cool guy, really cool guy. He gave me the picture. I mean, look, listen, I mean, you know, we're here to work and it's stressful. It's a lot. We're, we're trying to do the best we can. It's not our fault and it's not, you know what I mean? You know, we're, you know, and he told me, listen, you can go back to Tijuana or you can go in the United States or do whatever you want. But if I pick you up outside of this area, you're going straight to deportation. That's the bottom line. But if you stay here, you'll get to be picked up and processed and you'll have a chance to, to file for your asylum. So, again, ex- excellent information with the exception of even they don't know the process because yeah. you don't get to file for asylum in detention. In detention, they release you on your recognizance, and then later on you file for asylum. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so, and that's a misconception because everybody is saying, oh, everybody that I spoke to initially said, yeah, you can file for your asylum right in here, but it's not true. So, um, but anyhow, so, and then I spoke to a couple of National Guardsmen, a couple of kids, like in the early 20s yeah. from New York, <laughs> from New York, and, uh, I mean, you know, just just a couple of kids. We we started talking about hunting. We started talking about you know fishing and stuff like that. And uh, they were, you know, what do you expect? You know, they're doing their job, and uh, they're human beings doing what human beings do. Yeah. So, I mean, I can absolutely sympathize and understand. You know, these guys' jobs. My only beef is like, do you have to be? The, I mean, yes, you're pissed. Yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, it's. Frustrating. Yes, it feels like your country is invaded. Yeah, blah blah. We get all that. But is you being mean, rude, or or downright evil? Is that going to change anything? It's not. Yeah. These guys yeah. went through freaking the Amazon. I I mean, at some point, I swam with a crocodile. I didn't even know the crocodile was around. I'm just saying, it's so weird that they're educated and they're informed, yet they still have that attitude. It's just like, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't go yeah. anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't help. And like, look, it doesn't matter what you think about policy. Like if there's a baby crying because it hasn't yeah. eaten all day. No, they get it, cold. They, they, they became cold hearted. And it sucks because, again, I spoke to this guy from San Diego, which I really appreciate his, you know, sort of 
you know, he's, he, he's, he was very forward with me, and I appreciate that. Because yeah. it probably doesn't get to talk to anybody because nobody speaks English. Yeah. So, um, and then the idea is, you know, they're frustrated they're with the system. They're frustrated with the, with the capacity, with the, with, the, with, the, with the position they're put in. Okay, I absolutely sympathize. You cannot go wrong with that. I mean, I, I mean it's, you have every right to, 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 to be that way. Again, my beef is why do you like good morning f you good afternoon f you good night f you like like what is this? like it becomes so sad it's just like you know it loses its uh, importance even the f word yeah. is no longer important you know what I mean so yeah, yeah it's just too much too much it's very dehumanizing isn't it like everyone yeah. who participates yeah. in it gets yeah. dehumanized yeah. absolutely absolutely and I mean eventually. Uh, I got inspired by David and Caesar, and I think they did a freaking amazing job. I mean, I just, uh, it was a shock in my system to see the contrast between, I think it's, it's the biggest necessary contrast in that specific place. You need to see the two sides of the American spirit. Right there, you have volunteers saying F you to the system, and you have bordersmen saying F you to the system. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's just a, Huge contrast, and that's what really gives hope for for anything going forward. Uh, so, so I appreciated. I don't think David and Caesar really understand how important what they're doing. It's extremely important. It's very valuable. So, to me personally, it just uh, the the shock and all the initial shock. It just went away really quickly because I saw tools and I saw David and I, and I knew what's going on because I volunteered in 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 shelters in in LA in Los Angeles I volunteered yeah. at the mission uh, uh, down at uh, uh, you know downtown LA you know on yeah, Skid Row if you hear of Skid Row I volunteered yeah. there and I, I, I mean I know very well what homelessness looks like so I, I, I've done Christmas service I've done food food, food service automatically when I saw uh, David I just completely kicked in and I it was a natural thing for me to to jump aboard and help uh, and then um, the, again I couldn't sleep Early in the morning, like four or five, I start seeing some border patrolmen coming in. And right away, the huffing and puffing starts. You know what I mean? The trawling yeah. and all that business. Okay. Yeah. And uh, initially, I mean, I, I, again, I hate to use the word I, but uh, I helped organize the crowd a little bit because mm -hmm. they were fighting because they were, uh, the PP was, BP was picking up uh, uh, um, people that have been there. They're, they're just arrived and leaving the people that were there longer. Yeah. You know, four to five, the, the ones that were that I stayed with were there for four days. Jesus. They didn't get picked up. And um, so that, that, it's a log logistical issue and people were just not being organized. So we did a line, demarcation line. Those who were here for three days, they need to be here. Two days, one day, da 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 We did that. And then yeah. the first border patrolman that showed up on a jeep, Started yelling at me, you're doing our job. Blah, blah. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I backed <laughs> up. I backed up. I minded my business. And then another border patrolman tells me, hey, listen, listen, listen. I need you to do 47 on this side, 47 on this side. I need you. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? I, I mean, again, I dropped my ego. I don't care as long as these guys get a chance to, to get through. Because there was a lot of frustration where they're picking up people random. And they're picking up, uh, leaving people that are been there for a long time. You had families that did not want to be separated. 
you had uh, families that have been there longer, and you had, you know, so it's just a huge mishmash of, of situations. Anyhow, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, eventually on, 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 the, on, the, on, on the next day, early in the morning, we did some organizing, and it, it seemed to me that we were much more fluid, and, and, and uh, the border patrolman filled up the bus, and I happened to be one of them, one of the people that were picked up. Yeah. Anyhow, so. Uh, man, what a story. What a journey. Right? Um, it's insane. I'm still yeah. processing, man. Of course. I mean, that's a hugely yeah. traumatic experience. And yeah. It's just like, yes, one story. And like you said, there are thousands of them. Uh, thousands. Man. Thousands. All right, that's where we're going to cut it off today, and we will pick up again tomorrow uh, to hear more about Amos's journey, how he's found himself in the United States, where he's going, and where he is now. Thank you so much. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.